Welcome to SLU Law Summations, presenting brief looks at legal matters that matter to you by St. Louis University School of Law, located in the heart of downtown St. Louis. The past year has brought many changes for the way we live, work, and manage our finances. As we approach the April tax deadline, there are a lot of variables that could change how and what we file. I'm Jessica Ciccone, Director of Communications. In this episode, we will take a look at the impact the COVID-19 pandemic has had on our tax law and the way we will file this year. We are joined by Professor Henry Ordauer. Henry is a longtime SLU law professor and an expert in tax law, both federal and international. Thank you for joining us today, Henry. So there are a lot there's, so there's a there's a lot for the average person to consider in regards to filing this year. What are the biggest things that people will overlook or the biggest thing? What, what do you think? Um, I'm not sure that people necessarily will overlook anything, um, but I'll make a few comments about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we noticed recently that the filing deadline, um, which is normally April 15th, um, has been extended to May 17th. Oh, good. I didn't even know that. So thank you. (laughs) Um, At federal level, Mm -hmm. I noticed the other day that um, Missouri had coordinated with federal as it would have to do. I mean, it makes no sense not to. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't seen anything from Illinois yet, Uh, but I assume that that's going to happen too. So that uh, one has a little extra time to file one's tax return. Uh, The problem is that if you pay estimated tax, as many people do, Um, there hasn't been any extension of the estimated tax deadline. Mm. If you base your your 2021 estimated tax on your 2020 return, Mm -hmm. and you don't have to file your 2020 return until May 17th, then you don't necessarily know how much estimated tax to pay on April 15th. Mm-hmm. Um, how's that for being a little awkward? <laughs> um, so uh, you really have to sit down and work out your numbers mm-hmm. by April 15th so you can mm-hmm. figure out what to do for the next year. And that goes for the state taxes as well. Um, the second thing I think that people will find a little troubling is that uh, for people who were um, temporarily um, not working, mm-hmm. um, maybe on unemployment. Um, when they get around to filing their uh, federal tax return, they usually anticipate a certain size of refund. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. um, always not a great idea to overpay taxes and get a refund, but leaving that aside, mm-hmm. um, a lot of those refunds are going to be smaller this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you if you were relying on that refund, um, just be a little mindful of that. Yeah. Uh, it, that it's just not may not be um, may not be there. Mm-hmm. Um, the the next thing one might think about is um, people. Um, some people change the way they work in the past year. Um, there have been a lot of layoffs mm-hmm. and. A number of people have started small businesses um, to replace their income that they lost from um, employment. Well, there are all kinds of different considerations 
in operating um, a small business. Uh, first of all, um, you may find, one may find that, that you, there wasn't any withholding and therefore you've been under withheld. Mm-hmm. You owe federal taxes. Um, the likelihood of a penalty is probably small, mm-hmm. uh, but you may not have paid enough taxes and may have to come up with some money to pay taxes this year. Um, that's on the downside. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the way, I mean, if you're self-employed, which is starting a small business, you're self-employed, um, you have to pay um, the self-employment tax, the equivalent of the social security tax as well. Mm-hmm. And so these are things that you might not have anticipated. Um, but let me give you something positive to go along okay, with that. Because I'm, um, I'm seeing all these people that are going to file their taxes and be like, oh, my gosh, I owe a ton of money. And that is a rude awakening. So give me a positive note. Okay. So um, in 2000, starting in 2018, there's mm-hmm. something called a qualified business income deduction, a, a 20% deduction of the income from operating a qualified business. Um, it doesn't impl- apply to employees. But if you're self-employed, mm-hmm. um, you get that deduction. Okay. Um, so 20%, you know, there's nothing to yeah. worry about. You know, yeah. it's, it, it's, um, it's nice to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, just for the people at the low end, um, uh, the earned income credit perhaps, that people have, may have relied on if they shifted to a small business, mm-hmm. they can still claim the earned income credit mm-hmm. um, for um, self-employment income. So, you know, that's, um, that doesn't change. It just becomes a little bit more complicated. Okay. Um, and I think that those are the, the items that jump to mind. Okay. Um, oh, I have one more. Okay. Um, one more. Mm -hmm. Um, So in 2018, it became much more difficult to itemize deductions. Mm -hmm. Um, And those people who are making contributions, cash contributions to various charitable organizations, Mm -hmm. um, including churches and um, universities and so forth, uh, may have discovered that they didn't get a deduction for charitable contribution. Mm -hmm. Um, In 2020, as much as $300 is deductible without regard to whether you itemize or not. Okay. Um, so there's a special place on the tax return. I'm trying to think of, remember where it is on what line item it is. Um, Cause I looked at the return and it just slips my mind right now. Yeah. Uh, but there is a special line item for that $300 deduction. It only applies to cash contributions, okay. cash check, credit card, right. Right. Uh, but not gifts of clothing or cars or whatever that makes Um, sense and that will double uh for a joint return okay in uh 2021 um so just something to keep in mind that you get charitable contribution so is that the maximum number the 300 or is it just that's the like threshold for minimum no that's the maximum number oh okay gotcha three hundred dollars up to three hundred dollars okay whatever cash contributions you made you get up to three hundred dollars okay So, you know, as you know, you and I are sitting here talking from our own homes, um, you know, we can chat about how, how does working from home factor in, right? So some, do you file differently if say 
you live in Illinois, but yet you're working and your office was work, uh, located in St. Louis, like many of our colleagues um, at SLU. Um, how does that factor in if you're not actually in you know, the city of St. Louis working anymore? Um, okay, so that opens a whole, um, the whole range of questions. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let me start with the, the hot issue. Mm -hmm. The hot issue is the cross-border issue. Um, if you are an employee, um, and, and we'll do it on a real simple level with the city of St. Louis. Mm -hmm. The city of St. Louis has a 1% earnings tax. Um, it applies to all income from the performance of services, whether you're as an employee or as a self-employed individual. Um, if you're not a resident of the city, it only applies to the, your earnings in the city. Mm -hmm. um, the city has taken the position that if your employer is in the city, but you don't enter the city to um, perform any services, you still have to pay the earnings tax. It's been withheld. Uh -huh. Your employer has continued to withhold it. Um, in the past, um, if you were spending a certain amount of your working time outside the city, um, you could file a claim for a refund and get part of your city earnings tax back. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, in most cases, it's not a big number, but it's mm -hmm. there. You know, it could be a couple hundred dollars. Um, and the city has now taken the position that the fact that you're working outside the city, it's made it a lot more difficult to get that refund. It's, it's refusing the refunds. It's claiming that if, you, um, if your employer's in the city, you're still liable for the city earnings tax. Mm -hmm. Because the number is so small, mm -hmm. um, taxpayers are not going to go to court to challenge the city. Right. Um, it's really a question of whether a consortium of employers on behalf of their employees or a bunch of employees will get together and file a class action against the city mm -hmm. to resolve the issue. The issue arises, however, across state borders as well. Now, you know, with the city earnings tax, that's not that big a deal. I mean, you, um, you have an earnings tax. It's not like you're getting taxed twice. Right, right. There's a really significant issue in com commuter states um, right now. Mm -hmm. um, New York City, Boston, um, and possibly here in Missouri as well, um, where we have lots of people working, living in one state, working in the other. Right. Okay. So in the past, um, the state in which you worked, uh, your employer would, would withhold, mm -hmm. uh, you'd pay taxes to that state. And then on your resident return in your homes where, the, where you live, you'll claim a, 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 a tax credit for that or reduce the amount of taxes you owe to that state. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not actually going into the other state to work, your home state could take the position that the taxes you pay to the other state, you're not entitled to use to reduce your tax in your home state because they weren't properly collected. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. The work state, because your employer is in that state, even though you never went into the state, mm -hmm. <laughs> 
is, is saying, well, you're taxable where you normally work because that's where your employer is. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Um, uh, interestingly enough, uh, there's a case on New Hampshire versus Massachusetts that is currently pending before the United States Supreme Court. Really? The Supreme Court has not decided whether to take the case or not. Mm-hmm. And so these issues are pretty much in the air. And this is really sort of a, a COVID issue yeah. where people are working remotely when they normally would have commuted. Well, um, I imagine that like New Hampshire, Massachusetts is a completely different issue because New Hampshire is a tax-free state. I know because I worked in Massachusetts, lived in New Hampshire, and my tax person didn't pay Massachusetts. Yeah, that's right. And I got I got into a little IRS. Uh, I had I got a request for money from nice money, a uh, nice request from them. So, <laughs> which is why which is why New Hampshire isn't the ideal state in which to do this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's not a it's not double tax. Right. right. There are risks in other places like New Jersey and New York, where there could be a double tax. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. New Jersey would tax the income if you commute to New York normally, and New York would tax the income. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's an issue that um, you know nobody really knows the answer to, and it's a it's a an issue that the court eventually um, would have to resolve if it cho- if it chooses to do so. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's for starters of the change to working at home. Um, so for employees working from home, other than those kinds of cross-border issues, um, really doesn't make much, a whole lot of difference. Um, but for those people who have who are self-employed and have transitioned or have transitioned from employment to self-employment, mm-hmm. um, if they have an area of their home that they dedicate to their home office, mm-hmm. They might be able to claim a home office deduction. Oh, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so a certain, yeah, exactly, and a certain yeah. percentage of their um, uh, of their expenses mm-hmm. are real estate taxes, interest on the mortgage, um, and depreciation, mm-hmm. an annual allowance for the um, loss in value of property. Mm-hmm. Um, that they might be able to claim all of those things um, on their individual return as a home office deduction. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a it's a complicated area, and it's one that um, you one might want to look at. Mm-hmm. So, when we're so there's a couple things in in some of the relief packages that came through that I wanted to chat with you about. First, the PPE loan. Um, you know, I think I've heard you say in some of your media interviews that those are wait. Yes, I think <laughs> they're not they're not paying those back, right? And how does that impact their taxes when they go to file this year? Are they claiming that as like income or what is, how does that work? Okay, so Congress decided with the uh, uh, payroll protection uh, plan loans Mm -hmm. that the goal of the loans was to keep um, employers paying their employees Mm -hmm. even when the businesses were not doing what they should be doing because of of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so um, the loan itself uh, provided that the employer actually uses at least 60% of it for salaries. Um, the loan will not have to be repaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, when you forgive a loan, 
um, that's income to the person whose loan you've forgiven. Mm -hmm. um, in this case, it is not. So okay. the employers do not have to include it in income. The employees, of course, are continuing to get paid in the normal way. Um, they'll be withholding on that. There'll be um, uh, Social Security tax uh, taken out and so forth. Um, that's all sort of normal. So it doesn't change anything for the employees, um, except that in some cases they may be getting a smaller salary than they were before. But, you know, um, we'll leave that sort of thing aside. Um, the more interesting thing that Congress did is the Internal Revenue Service then uh, took the correct position, which was that if you receive income that's exempt from tax, that is the forgiveness of the loan, mm -hmm. um, then the expenses of producing that um, income are not deductible. And therefore, mm -hmm. the, to the extent that the, um, that the loan money was used to pay salaries, that portion of the salary should not be deductible. Um, by the employer. Okay, okay. As, as the employer normally would deduct it. As it turns out, uh, Congress changed that as well and um, gave employers a double benefit uh, by not having to include that uh, amount, um, uh, not uh, being able to deduct that amount despite mm -hmm. the fact um, that the loan was forgiven and so that was essentially tax exempt income. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the story of the um, payroll protection plan. Yeah, it's pretty simple for employers, I guess. You know, got the loan from the government and don't have to pay it back in the tax. That's, I mean, that's a pretty good win. So yeah, as far the, con the confusing thing, interesting yeah. enough, along the same lines, mm -hmm. was unemployment compensation. Mm -hmm. So lots of people got unemployment compensation this year. Yeah, I should say in 2020. Mm -hmm. And um, unemployment compensation normally is included in income mm -hmm. um, and uh, doesn't qualify for the, er the earned income credit. Mm -hmm. And there may be withholding on it, but, you know, it's hard, hard to know. Um, just, just now, after some people had already filed their 2020 tax returns, Congress changed the rule on that and forgave the first um, 10000 I think it's $10,600 okay. of unemployment compensation. Um, so that's excludable. Um, and the IRS just announced the other day that um, it would automatically refund the taxes uh, if people had already filed their returns and included that in income. So that's great. Um, again, sort of on the upside on that one. Yeah, a few breaks there. So, so with this most recent plan, the one that was passed this year, you know, a lot of people got a lot, I mean, a good chunk of change um, into their bank accounts. And then, you know, as this goes into law, what are the implications for the future? Like, I've heard a lot of people saying, like, we're going to be paying taxes on this for years to come. Like, what does that, what does it mean? What, what does it mean for the future of our taxes as we are years out from this thing? Nobody knows the answer to that. Okay. <laughs> uh, I certainly don't. I, I could speculate about what's going to happen, what I'd like to see happen. Mm -hmm. um, Elizabeth Warren, for example, has proposed a wealth tax mm -hmm. um, to uh, restore some of the deficit that we've created with all of this um, um, spending. Mm 
mm-hmm. that we've done uh, over the last year or so, government spending that's mm-hmm. deficit funded, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible that we could raise the personal income tax for uh, lower income people. It's possible that we could do a, a more progressive income tax like we used to have in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, the When Biden came into office, um, he was proposing increasing the uh, corporate tax rate um, from what is now 21% to 28%. That would raise some additional revenue. Um, the, I mean, we're talking about a lot of deficit, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically $4 trillion, right? Uh, of additional deficit in the, right. two, in the two plans. I mean, that's you know, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to find it somewhere. Yeah. Um, there are other people who believe that the United States can just continue to print money forever um, and never have to make up for it uh, because the U.S. dollar is the international reserve currency and everybody believes in the dollar. And therefore, the fact that we have this huge debt doesn't make any difference. Um, uh, you know, we worry about it a little bit. And um, um, I imagine that um, I won't be around. Uh, when we get around to repaying this, so um, no, no, no. <laughs> um, and you may, and but you may be. So, um, <laughs> but I don't think any of us know uh, the answer to that. Okay, okay. So, given your international experience, like we look at like the world in, in general and how they've kind of responded. Um, you know, some countries have come out strong with some really big plans. Some people, some countries have paid their. Um, citizens like weekly during the pandemic, things like that. So how has the, I mean, obviously we're lucky to have what we have, right? But how has the U.S. fared as far as economic recovery and taxes compared to say, are you some of our European neighbors? My impression is that the United States um, has not fared very well Mm -hmm. um, relative to a number of other countries that have maintained um, salary um, for the populace. Mm-hmm. Um, we've sort of done it in this haphazard way. Um, and by maintaining salary, um, what's happened in places like England is we ha- don't have this back, the, England doesn't have the backlog that we have in the United States of possible evictions. Mm-hmm. Um, people losing their homes if they own their homes, people being um, uh, evicted from their apartments. Um, So I worry about increasing homelessness in the United States. Um, We also have a serious problem in the United States about food distribution. Um, There's no question that the United States has adequate food resources to feed its entire populace. Um, we're a growth, we're a, a net exporter of foods. We're the largest exporter of food products in the world. And yet we have hunger in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, kids being out of school where they were getting their main meal of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just it, that the, the distribution of that um, just hasn't kept up with the need. Right. Um, and this is a serious problem that most of Europe hasn't had mm-hmm. uh, because they have a, um, a better social safety network, a 
um, than we do in the United States. And they focused on those issues. Um, everybody's got a deficit from this. Yeah. Um, everybody um, had to find money to do these things that wasn't coming from the tax revenue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The European Union has a problem right now in that the, the European Union, the central government, the European Union uh, doesn't have taxing power. Um, it relies on the contributions from the member states. And so the European Union is, is considering, um, I'm not, not very seriously, I don't think, mm -hmm. um, giving the central authority uh, some taxing power um, to, in order to do things in a more organized fashion, mm -hmm. uh, EU-wide. I mean, that's kind of what we are worrying about here. Um, we've been fragmented in doing things state by state or local area by local area, mm -hmm. instead of doing it centrally. Um, and and I, <laughs> I admit that talking about central planning uh, gets us thinking about the Soviet Union and people <laughs> worry, worry about things like central planning. Right, but we, right. But we, we just haven't had a plan. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It looks like things are going a little bit better in 2021. Um, certainly the vaccine distribution has gone much better than we anticipated, mm -hmm. um, but not everywhere. Right. Um, and Europe's had a more difficult time with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, there are a lot of different issues and um, I don't think the United States is doing as well as I would like it to do. Mm -hmm. um, it's not doing as well as it should do as the leading economy in the world. Right, right. Well, boy, so it sounds like, to recap, we've got a long road ahead of us. We're baby stepping our way through recovery right now. But in good news, taxes won't be like too terrible this year, as opposed to other years, <laughs> hopefully. There's a lot of good breaks and programs in in line for our companies, our businesses, and hopefully people that have been without um, income for part of this year, right? Is that a good summary? <laughs> uh, not bad. Okay. I have, I have one really nice highlight to add though. Yes, I would love it. In closing. Okay. Um, one of the things that Congress just passed mm -hmm. was an increase in the child credit Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. um, it's basically $300 a month um, starting now. Hopefully, Congress will extend it after this year. Mm -hmm. um, it is fully refundable, which means that it's not just a credit against income. You don't necessarily have to pay, have the income tax to take it against. Yeah. It's just a child supplement. Yeah. Many, many years ago, um, when I was doing graduate work, um, we spent some time in Sweden. And in Sweden, at that time, I won't tell you how many years ago it was, um, every child got a child supplement. Mm -hmm. um, it was an important thing um, just to have that basic amount for every child. Mm -hmm. And this is a step in that direction in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, clearly, it's a, um, it's a new welfare program. Um, of some kind, mm -hmm. uh, but one that helps is designed to help children. Yeah, I mean, I think it's wonderful. I know, like, besides Sweden, a lot of other countries, I know Australia has a similar program. Do you think it's something, is this something that's permanent or is it just part of this temporary plan? 
um, really permanent. I'm just wishing <laughs> okay. that, it, that it becomes permanent. <laughs> we can wish. We can wish. You know, if it has really a good impact, as we imagine that it will, on on you know childhood poverty and child hunger, it could it could be. You know, welfare welfare benefits, things like social security, um, the earned income credit, mm-hmm. um, tend to be sticky. Mm-hmm. People begin to rely on them, and as a political matter, it's hard to get rid of them. Right. Um, so maybe this one will be sticky too. Let's hope. Let's hope. Well, thank you, Henry. This was great. I enjoyed chatting, ch- catching up with you, and um, I think it's really informative. So hopefully, people enjoy it as much as I did. My pre- my pleasure. Thank you, Jessica. All right. Well, see you later. Hope to see you. Hope to see you in person soon. Absolutely. Likewise. Thank you for joining us for SLU Law Summations, produced by St. Louis University School of Law.